Good morning. You are listening to KPOO San Francisco 89.5 and on the World Wide Web at KPOO.com. This is Prison Focus Radio. Slavery is back. In fact, it was never abolished. The 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution abolished slavery, except in prison. At the current rate of incarceration, by the year 2010, the majority of all African-American men between 18 and 40 will be in prison. The state as their captor. It's going to take people who are willing to fight, not people who want to negotiate with the enemy. Deal with 
All right. Good morning, everyone. I want to thank you for joining me here on Prison Focus Radio. I am your host, Nube Brown. Now, I'm a little bit out of sync with the programming. We don't need to go into that. But I have not yet had an opportunity to give a huge shout out to all of you who gave generously, big and small, everything in between to KPOO uh, radio station. And wow, y'all came big, big, big love. You got down so beautiful. We raised over $150,000 and I just... Wow, I'm so humbled by that show of love and just want to thank you and again uh, just show my gratitude for uh, for that um, hearing from all of you how important this radio station is and to be able to be a part of it here by uh, being able to host this hour to provide a platform for the voices of our friends and family and loved ones and comrades behind the wall and their families is such an honor and again so um, humbled by that show of support and to be a part of that so thank you thank you thank you so much Okay, uh, we are going to shift gears here a little bit. Um, I wanted to share a, a little bit with you uh, the first time that I had made a prison visit. It wasn't that long ago, actually. I had been doing the work for, I don't know, a few years maybe, and it had taken me that, that long to finally uh, make a visit to uh, Solano to visit Michael Duro, who we lovingly know as Za. His new African name is Zaribu. And he is the current focus of the uh, Liberate Our Caged Elders social media campaign. Uh, so with that said, please call the governor at 916-445-2841. Write this number down to demand the release of our elders, 916-445-2841. This campaign really is about um, these elders who have spent decades in solitary confinement and after putting their lives on the line, doing the historic uh, California hunger strikes, um, some of them up to 60 days of no food, with people dying, uh, they ended indefinite solitary confinement, but they remain behind bars, uh, caged, um, suffering a civil death, now also the potential death of uh, COVID-19 and civil death uh, by uh, being denied parole uh, time and time again. Some of them are decades past their parole date eligibility. It is an incredible uh, crime, continued crime against humanity. So I uh, digress here a little bit. The prison visit was to Zah. Um, I went with um, a mutual a friend. Um, and so I knew Za before the, the prison visit. Um, knew him as a just a brilliant thinker, uh, very heartfelt person, um, really about um, the fight for humanity, um, f- you know, philosophical, very principled thinker, 
just a beautiful person, but had only known him on, on this side. And so made my first visit and it was a profound experience really. Um, and I think that it is something that, um, I think it should be a civic duty, like voting, like jury duty, a responsible citizen should be required to visit a prison. So the visit with Zah was incredible. Like I said, he is just a lovely human being, just straight from the heart and um, the three of us were in just, you know, deep conversation, um, very meaningful conversation we were having. And of course there is a time limit. And so the most heartbreaking and confusing part of the visit, which still chokes me up to this day, is having to leave him behind. It didn't make sense to me then. It still doesn't make sense to me now. And I think that was a couple of years ago. I have since, I have made another visit to Za. The first time that I got to visit with him, though, we all got to sit at a table together. Um, but the second time I had to visit him through glass. This is a person that has spent decades in solitary confinement. And... Um, they, he had to experience going back to solitary again. Um, it was a shorter period of time, but nonetheless. Um, but I, the, if you have never done a prison visit, I, I really, uh, of course, we are making visits now. Um, but I recommend it. As I think we need to have a better understanding of what it means because you're somewhat criminalized being a visitor. They tell you what to wear, when you can come, what you can have. You go through metal detectors, um, what kind of bag you can carry. You can't, I, I, there are all these rules and regulations and whew, don't mess it up because they will deny you a visit. I watched people be turned away. I don't know how far they traveled, what I mean, I mean, I think about the people who are, I mean, Zaw is a friend, and um, everybody needs visits, but what if it's your husband? What if it's your wife? Uh, what if you're a, a, a child, and this is what your weekend looks like, going to visit your loved one inside, and something gets messed up. You're late. Uh, because you got caught in traffic or your tire broke or popped. I, I, I'm probably going off too much, but there is a sense of feeling somewhat like you're criminalized for coming to visit these people. And all of these, these arbitrary rules and regulations that you could mess up at any time. So I think it should be a civic duty. I think you need to experience what it's like and what it might be like for a family member that needs to, you know, trying to keep in contact so um and these are people that have been that have aged now in prison um za is just one of many 
elders that have been separated from their family. Visiting is not easy. And with COVID, it's become impossible. We need to get our elders home. And we need to get everybody home that needs to come home and can come home um, to be with their families. But our elders, especially, they're losing their loved ones because they've been inside for so long. And it's also difficult um, for people to stay on board. They lose family members not by death, just because it's just become so difficult. So again, write when you can, and uh, we are going to um, and help us free the elders. Call the governor. They need to come home. 916-445-2841. All right. I'm going to read this article by Zah from the San Francisco Bayview National Black Newspaper in uh, this month's newspaper. This Generation of People Who Love Liberation and Humanity by Michael Zaribu Duro. Greetings and solidarity. This generation of people who love liberation and humanity is making a magnificent effort to free us all from the chains of slavery. They have imagined a world that is free from the horrors of white male supremacy and patriarchy, and they are daring to make that world a reality. Every generation has a responsibility to take struggle to the next level, and this includes crafting language that brings us closer to creating the kind of world we imagine language that expands the framework that has existed for centuries. And this generation of abolitionists has done just that. Defunding law enforcement is such an expansion of the framework that is needed now. The historical record does not seem to have much on any discussion by anyone other than magnificent abolitionists such as Angela Davis and those kindred spirits like her on defunding instruments of oppression And this, I believe, is a critical step in the dismantling of white male supremacy and patriarchy. At this point, whether defunding is actually accomplished, inserting this issue into the discourse is important. It is the act of introducing something new and different that takes it to the next level, in this case, supported by the acts of civil disobedience that are occurring. For the past several centuries, there has been a constant nonstop assault on the humanity of people. And that nonstop assault on our humanity is consisted of people being pitted against each other through the use of various forms of hate, such as racism, sexism, misogyny, homophobia, anti-young, religious bigotry, etc. And this hatred has found its way into every aspect of our lives and expresses itself in a variety of ways. From the assault on the humanity of women and our acceptance of it, to the manner in which we compete against each other for the small spaces that we are allowed. We do not compete with each other for jobs, housing, and education. We compete against each other for those necessities. And that competition is usually along cultural, racial, gender, and class lines, contributing to the daily assault on the humanity of people who are black and brown and the public's acceptance of it. And this is expressed in the lynching of Breonna Taylor, Yvonne Smallwood, Sandra Bland, Ayanna Jones and Atatiana Jefferson, Botham John, Renisha McBride, Jonathan Farrell, Stefan Clark, and Trayvon Martin, Tamir Rice, Emmett Till, Ahmaud Arbery, Jordan Edwards, and Jordan Davis, Alton Sterling, Mike Brown, Sean Bell, Oscar Grant, Philando Castile, 
and Abadou Diallo, Corey Jones and John Crawford, Terence Crutcher, Keith Scott and Clifford Glover, Claude Reese, Eric Garner, and Freddie Gray, the Charleston Nine. The only people who have and do benefit from the inhumanities that we are subjected to are the people who occupy positions of power and who maintain the ideology of white supremacy and the system of patriarchy. Patriarchy is not simply a system of government in which males are considered at the, end, at the head of the institution or family. Patriarchy is the effort by males to control and dominate the planet and people on it. White male supremacy and patriarchy also expresses itself when we see people weaponize cars and kill us at rallies and when people arm themselves with assault weapons and kill hundreds of people at nightclubs because they happen to be gay or lesbian or transgender. We have a responsibility, a duty to care for each other the minute we arm ourselves with the knowledge of what oppression is because it is in that moment that we understand we all count for something. History will be kind to those of us who choose to fight for the humanity of us all. Please know that we cannot become whatever it is that we aspire to be without you. And please know that the efforts you engage in, the sacrifices that you and others have made are most appreciated. Love and always with you. Zaribu. Za. On behalf of the NCTT, New African Collective Think Tank. Send our brother some love and light. Michael Zaribu Duro. D83611. Sadaf CSP Corcoran. P.O. Box. 5248. Corcoran, California. 93212.
are just tuning in, this is Prison Focus Radio, and I am your host, Nube Brown. Just before the musical break, I read an article by Michael DeRoe titled, This Generation of People Who Love Liberation and Humanity. You can find that article in this month's San Francisco Bayview National Black Newspaper, and of course online at sfbayview.com. Next, we are going to hear an update from Emolimo, who is imprisoned at Corcoran State Prison. Because while this country is figuring out how to put itself back together, uh, the prisoners inside are still being treated with neglect and deliberate indifference by California Department of Corrections' small r rehabilitation regarding COVID. Listen, Emolimo, I haven't talked with you in a little while. And the last time we got cut off and you were just telling me that you all had gone um, on, on lockdown. Um, and I want you to tell us why did you all go on lockdown and then what transpired from that in terms of uh, COVID and the sending? Well, so far, they've been testing us every week for the COVID virus, and they were getting a lot of positive tests back, and they didn't know why, because they weren't letting a lot of people go to work, um, and anybody who was positive, they were moving off the yard. So when they quarantined us, you know, a couple of us were able to add them, you know, what was going on. And when they, when they explained it to us, we told them, you know, we believe it's because of the COs who you aren't testing accurately or who you're letting come back to work because they're asymptomatic because inmates are getting tested from working around certain COs who you're saying are, are positive or certain free staff who you're saying is positive. So we ran that by them. And then we also told them that, you know, you move people down here from San Quentin and a few other places and you, you move in anybody from these yards uh, who test positive around these other people. So the virus is not able to leave. You know, it's continuing to spread. So they thought, well, we'll just quarantine all the CSP corporate and won't move anybody and see if that works. 16 days later, all of a sudden, you're saying now that, that there's just coming back negative so we can program it. Well, you know, it sounds good, but I still, and, and a, four, a few others, still don't see where they're going to be able to stop this. We're starting to just think that they're utilizing the COVID situation just to take our program from us because nobody has been, you know, hospitalized. Nobody has had a fever. Nobody has had a cough. Nobody has had, you know, no real sickness. Um, and then they're just saying that people are testing positive. So now what they did do, um, today they were telling that they're, they're going to train those people out of this prison to other prisons. So, you know, we're still playing by ear and, uh, hoping for the best, but, you know, expecting the unexpected. Okay, well, let me ask you, though. Okay, first of all, okay, so they're, they're, they're choosing quarantining and transferring. So let me ask you about how you feel about quarantine in the sense that, first of all, every single prison in California is, uh, is, it is overpopulated. It's overcapacity by many, right. uh, the high percentage. Some as high as 6%, you know, more than 60% over a crowding. Every single prison. So quarantining certainly isn't going to, uh, I want to ask, so I want to ask you about how you feel about quarantining. And also, here we are continuing to transfer rather than release. And I want, will you please uh, comment on both of those issues? Well, yeah, transferring, we don't agree with. Of course, we'd rather get the release, especially for those who are, you know, close to going home anyway. You know, um, a lot of elderly people should be released, you know, and you should take consideration for that, you know, and let them go home and be around their loved ones. Um, the transferring, we don't agree with because we still see that that's not a way to stop the virus from spreading. Because even if a person is not sick, 
and they have the symptoms, they can still pass it on to others. So it's they're saying that's coming from Sacramento. The prison itself can't do anything. So for those inmates who have stopped to try to stop the transfer, all they do is put you in ad say and put you on the bus anyway. You know, so it, it's pretty hard to stop that. You know, at first we were not. This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. You know, we weren't going to let people from San Quentin come here, and they were going to start protesting on their own from there. But that didn't work. You know, Sacramento is still trying to push that agenda. And, you know, anything that we try to do that's against them would be, like, inciting. You know, they'll use, you know, that against us and stuff like that. So all we can do is um, play it by ear and, you know, keep ourselves healthy. You know, they have passed out uh, some of that hand sanitizer, but they took the alcohol out of it, so that does no good. But, you know, it, 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 uh, it, it, it's a situation where the only thing we can do is voice our opinions to them, let our outside support know, and hope we, hopefully we can come up with something that will start the process of, of release um, a lot more sooner than it's been. Okay, so are you suggesting that the outside support, I mean, because y'all are doing your work in there, and we are definitely going to make sure that this gets out. Is you, are, are you saying that you would like us out here to uh, call, to be calling the prisons, calling the wardens, calling Sacramento, and saying that we want people released? Yes, yes, yes. And the more you all call Sacramento, the wards in the prison probably just blow you off, not answer the phone, uh, uh -huh. lying to them, call you back, or come up with some type of story that they think that you're going to accept. You know, so if we get called from the wards in the prisons, that might not get, get anywhere. But if, if the more of our outsiders um, who, who support us uh, continue to let Sacramento know, you know, that release, especially those who are soon to go home within the next five years who are nonviolent, that should get them to speed up that process of doing so. Because what they've done is they, they issued sometime last year, they took time off our sentences. It wasn't enough, but it was a little bit, you know. And if they're willing to that, we believe that if our supporters are um, calling them and voicing their views and their opinions on how they think that would be a, a, a step in the right direction, and we continue to flood the courts with these 602 habeas corpus so that we've been getting, then we think some kind of ball should be moving. You know, they, they will run out of excuses to use to say that they can't do certain things. I, I believe that. Um, a couple of others believe it. Um, we haven't been able to discuss anything because, like I said, today they just let us off this last quarantine. Um, so I, I do believe that we'll be in, in dialogue soon within the next couple of days. Um, some of us to come up with other strategies to see what This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. Because now people are starting to rest because, like I was saying, people aren't getting sick and you're telling them that they're positive. You know, so that's not making any sense to us. Okay, yeah, well, and it's also quite dangerous because, again, you're testing positive, it puts everything in, um, it, it, it just makes everything uncertain, and, and, and then they, they use that to just, again, be quarantining and, and, and transferring willy-nilly, and people could be uh, being infected, like you say, because they're asymptomatic. Um, okay, right, so right, right. we should definitely be calling Sacramento, that means calling the governor, calling Kathleen Allison, the director, um, the, 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 sorry, the secretary of CDCR, and uh, just making those phone calls, making those emails, and we will definitely make sure that we get this audio out for people to hear as well. Right, Thank right. you so much.
Oh yeah, that's you know anytime my pleasure shit show that that's people power is, is what's gonna always work for us. And as long as we on the inside fight and we have our loved ones out there fighting and, and you know getting the word out, then that'll bring more people involved. And when they get to understanding the importance of uh, you know health, basically because. The only thing you can do with this virus is protect yourself and your loved ones the best way you can. Um, I don't know how effective that vaccine is. From what I'm hearing, it's uh, it's it's not really a hundred percent because you got to do it twice, if I'm not mistaken. And a couple of officers we've heard that have taken that vaccine uh, had uh, negative reactions to it and had to become hospitalized. So we're not sold on that. And a lot of people have told us that you know, taking the vaccine would be better for us, be good for us. But now we're not so sure, you know. So, you know, we just have to do what we know best, you know, um, voice our opinions and stay in solidarity. Okay, yeah, and uh, yeah, that, that, absolutely, that's your best protection there is to, to trust yourselves and, and pay attention, like you said. And, and, of course, we know we have there's a historical reference to um, uh vaccines and, uh, you know, basically experimenting on, on black bodies. So, right. uh, you know, um, we, uh, for sure, uh, generally, generationally and historically, that's something that we really have to pay attention to, um, especially with uh, prisoners, because we know how y'all are treated inside. So I really appreciate, right. Right. Um, really, uh, just the work that you're doing inside. You're, you're so inspirational and... Um, you know, just staying strong, being a model of, of uh, you know, self-care um, and, you know, fighting for the people, all power to the people. You know, Emilino, thank you so much. And I know that that is uh, getting transferred to the other, your, you know, fellow comrades inside. So much appreciated. Without you all out there uh, um, helping us in every way that you guys can and doing the best that you can, you know, with the little resource we have, and, um, you know, standing in solidarity with us, we, we are thankful and appreciate it for that. That just gives us more drive, you know, and more reason to fight. So we appreciate you all, too, because you guys are doing a fabulous job out there. You know, we can't forget about that. You know, um, like I was saying before, what you and, you and the brothers doing over there at the Bayview, uh, I'm sure Sister Mary and Brother Willie are more than happy to pass that torch because you guys are taking into this next generation where it needs to be, you know, and... and Rebuilding our community is, is of paramount importance. You know, that's the only way we're going to get that power back into our hands, you know, is if we have control of our own environment, you know, and, and we take care of each other and, and, you know, allow each other to grow, you know, thrive, and continue to develop different ways to make things work, you know. So we thank you all. We're appreciative for that as well. All right. My phone started to break up when I uh, started to let Emilimo know that Malik was being uh, retaliated against at the Taylor Street facility that is owned by the private prison group GEO. Um, there was a COVID outbreak that the facility staff was trying to keep undercover, but they sent out a memo saying that, in fact, there were a few cases of COVID when, in fact, there had been cases of COVID for a couple weeks prior. So Malik let that um, memo uh, leak out and the staff there uh, didn't like it. Geo Group and BOP didn't like it. And so they confiscated his phone. They started messing with his work schedule. And 
um, and basically were threatening to send him back to prison. So uh, we were just, I was telling him Mulimo about that, and this was his response. I have 60 seconds remaining. Right. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Just tell brother to stay strong. You know, if he wasn't doing a good job, they wouldn't be doing that. They only attack you when you're doing a good job. So tell the brother to stay strong, keep his head up. He knows how to fight the oppressors. He's, he's real skillful in that. And tell him to keep up the good job and know that he's got, you know, a lot of comrades that love and support him and on the inside, standing behind him a thousand percent. You guys take care. Uh, I know they're going to cut us off soon, but I'll send you my love. And you guys take care. And uh, I'll talk to you again real soon. All right. Thank you, Imulimu. I am now going to read another article by Michael Zaribu Doro. But this article comes out of California Prison Focus's publication, Prison Focus. This is from issue number 61, the most recent. And the article is uh, titled Wrongful Convictions and Racism as a Human Rights Crisis and More Thoughts on Heroes and Losers. And the reason I'm reading another article by Zah is because we are focusing on Zah uh, right now in the Liberate Our Caged Elders campaign. But I want you to understand that the people that we are focusing on and advocating for are doing the work inside already. They've been doing it for decades. And any changes that are made are made because they are working with us, we are working with them. This is in solidarity. This is in unity. This is a collaborative effort. We are not liberating them. That's not how it works. That's not, that's not how we work together. Lilla Watson, she is an artist, and she has the most eloquent quote that expresses what it is that I am trying to say here. If you have come here to help me, you are wasting your time. But if you have come because your liberation is bound up with mine, then let us work together. And that's what it is. We just have this beautiful platform here to uplift and provide the space for those voices that we don't normally get to hear. The San Francisco Bayview National Black Newspaper and California Prison Focus's Prison Focus newspaper are two of the most important newspapers in terms of prisoners' voices, uh, their ideas, prison issues, their families. So please go to prisons.org and you can see and read this article as well as all the articles that are in issue number 61, the most recent. And... Uh, all right, so here we go. Wrongful convictions and racism as a human rights crisis and more thoughts on heroes and losers by Michael Zaribu Duro. The number of people that we routinely see being released from prison as a result of wrongful convictions constitutes a human rights crisis. In most countries, if this were happening, there would be protests involving thousands of people who would be demanding change. In this country, there is shameful silence. The efforts being made to reform the criminal justice system are truly commendable. It is simply not enough. When people are convicted for crimes that they did not commit, believe me, it is not by accident. And everyone in the courtroom, the judge, prosecutor, everyone, they know what is happening. At some point during the process, trial, something goes terribly wrong. The process stops even pretending to be fair, and everyone recognizes it. 
The only people who are not surprised by it are the people who know it's coming. Juries know that something is terribly wrong. They simply rationalize their convicting people according to their specific biases. Juries convict innocent people in spite of the massive amounts of reasonable doubt that exists. They routinely engage in nullification. Entire communities are impacted. There is little outrage because the people who have always been crossed by it are black, brown, and poor. When people are placed in prison, families and entire communities are impacted by it. Black and Latino men in particular are held up as the poster child for what constitutes irresponsible fatherhood, not being in their children's lives. And this is as much more a complex issue than is generally discussed. But this is as a result, in large part, of their being herded off into these prison camps and separated from their families and communities. There has never been a time in the history of the United States where the African and Latino communities were considered to be a part of the American family and, and made to feel welcomed by the larger society. Our being herded off into these traps is simply the way it is supposed to be. We did not create this kind of destructive thinking. We internalized it over time, normalized it, and we have passed it on from one generation to the next generation. The system is doing what it is supposed to do what it is designed to do. Outgrowing the prison experience. The Board of Prison Terms represents the interests of the state, and it is just as politicized as the courts and every other branch of government. One reason why it is such a challenge for some of the guys who before, challenge for some of the guys who go before the board and are denied suitability has to do with people transforming themselves and as a result, outgrowing the prison experiences. There are scores of people in prison who have put in years of work to fix themselves. For many, that process started well before they were able to engage in the self-help programs that are now available in some of the prisons throughout the state. They are no longer the person they were. And when that happens, there is nothing left for that person to accomplish in prison. He or she has learned the lessons, whatever those lessons are, that come with growth and maturity for that person. Punishment must have a beginning and an end. The board also recognizes this in a person. When people are denied suitability for reasons that have nothing to do with the transformation that they have made, it is and should be upsetting to that person. It's just punishment from that point on. The board will not say this, at least in part, because punishment must have a beginning and an end. If, you re if rehabilitation is really the goal, and anytime you stand, the perceived need to constantly punish someone who has transformed him or herself up against the power of transformation, the perceived need to punish will lose. The power of transformation will outshine it every time. Political punishment. Political punishment is even more obvious. We have seen it express itself throughout history, and we know what it looks like. It looks like Sitawa. Get well, soldier. We still have some struggling to do. I love you. It looks like the many, many women, men who were imprisoned in the 1960s to the 1970s and who are still imprisoned. It looks like Mumia Abu-Jamal and Asada Shakur, Angela Davis and Winnie Mandela, Marilyn Buck, James Dew Doc Holliday. The board, though, is doing its job. It is doing what it is designed to do, quote, reforming a system means just trying to change what the system looks like, not its mentality and how it thinks. 
There has to be a different kind of thinking, one that does not reflect the capitalist arrangement that it continues to function under. As long as we rely on new laws, the courts, the system as it is, changes will be short-lived and they will always result in leaving people behind. Reforming a system means just trying to change what the system... Sorry. All right. We all know, without question, that people are given death penalty slash life without parole sentences because they are black, brown, and poor. So why do we have capital punishment? Why would we subject people to a process that we know is anti-human? It is worse than unfair. Again, when people are punished, we are not just punishing that person. We are punishing families, communities, the future. People creating their own dangerous realities. There are people in this country who genuinely believe that their way of life is under attack and they are being manipulated into believing that it is true. They believe it, is so, they believe it so passionately that they create their own realities and will argue that they, their reality is real. The gun debate is one ish, such issue. No one has said anything about taking anyone's guns, but the resistance to any proposed gun regulations is based on the claim that the government is trying to take everyone's guns. People who think like this should not own guns. Again, when people are punished, we are not, we, excuse me, we can no longer sit by and remain silent when people say, quote, guns don't kill, people do, unquote. Guns take on the personality of the people who own and use them. If you put a gun into the hands of a racist, that person is going to walk into a house of worship and slaughter people who are black, brown, Jewish, and Muslim as they pray. A Trayvon Martin or Tamir Rice will be the result. If you put a gun into the hands of the misogynist, there will be assaults on the humanity of women. If you put a gun into the hands of a homophobic, people will be shot, no, slaughtered, as they dance inside of a nightclub simply because of who they choose to sleep with. Acts of violence are forms of hate. Guns are expressions of that hate. The people who create this and other realities are so entrenched in this thinking that they do not care about anything else except resisting what they consider to be attacks on their way of life. And they will go to any extreme in their support of people who claim to represent their interests. They do not care that they are simply being exploited. They only care about the reality that they have created. It is not possible to try and reason with a person or people who use as their basis of fact a reality that they have created. In an episode of an old Seinfeld series, this was called the Bizarro World. They are so determined to hold on to what they consider to be their country that they weaponize cars to mow down human beings who engage in efforts to create a just and humane society. Stick together. If we are to honor the many, many sacrifices that have been made by those who love liberation, the best way for us is to show how much we continue to be inspired by their sacrifices is to stick together. They loved liberation, so much so that they sacrificed themselves. Anything worth loving is worth fighting for. I would also like to thank, and this seems like such an understatement, the many people who supported me throughout a recent setback, including Hashima. I have not had many people in my life who have been friends. Asanta Sana, for your encouragement. Fire. I hope that one day I can repay you by contributing to creating the kind of planet that you, we, envision. Love and struggle. Za. Sembroza reboot some love and light. Michael Reed Darrow. D O 
R-R-O-U-G-H. His number is D-83611. He is at C-SATF. That's C-S-A-T-F. Level 2. B like boy, 3-8-5L. P.O. Box 5248, Corcoran, California, 93212. And I think you should visit the website that his supporters have made, michaelreeddoreau.org. michaelreeddoreau.org. We love you, Zah. We love you so much, and we are going to do whatever we can to help you gain your freedom. All right, I want to do a little bit of a spotlight on California Prison Focus and Cage Universal. Uh, They have hooked up and are working together. Kim Pollack and Minister King are the co-directors of California Prison Focus. And I, I want to... I want to spotlight a little bit about what Minister King is doing. He considers himself an artivist, and this is just such a beautiful term. It is a person who practices any of the various creative arts or is skilled at a particular task or occupation, who campaigns to bring about political or social change. This is really so much of the work that is being done at California Prison Focus, um, and and having this lens of uh, doing the work through art is so important. It makes it so accessible. Um, I want to encourage all of you to go to prisons.org and learn more about the programs and projects of CPF slash Cage Universal, including an update on the development of their MLK program and Agreement to Come Home campaign in Uncaged Slave 24 hours ago. I want to encourage you to go to prisons.org and I am going to play a little snippet of some of Minister King's work that you can find on Cage Universal's YouTube page. All right. Thank you so much for that, Minister King. He does amazing work. I do encourage you to check him out. Uh, his work, again, at Cage Universal. That's spelled with a K. K-A-G-E Universal. The YouTube page that is there. And again, go to prisons.org. Make donations where you can. Um, there's just beautiful work being done there. And with that said, we are going to continue with the artivists uh, by... Uh, going to the uh, a mixtape that was created by uh, various Bay Area artists um, and nationwide, uh, they did. They're doing a. This is a fundraising mixtape. So um, the San Francisco Bayview National Black Newspaper was founded in 1976 as an outlet for unheard voices in the Bay Area and nationwide. It is now 2021. To help envision a new path forward, we want to raise up the voices of our Bay Area brothers, sisters, and siblings who call for hope, light, and sharing the fruits of the world and an end to the darkness of human oppression through art. Thank you to all the incredible artists who contributed and to all of you for enjoying and sharing these beautiful creations. The artists featured are Curtis Family C-Notes, Joyous Don, 
Kairositos, Audacious I Am, One Time, Stephanie Woodford, A1, Brontes Purnell, Ladonia, Pat Thomas, Zaire, Pat Messi, Hevra Kadisha, Antoine Banks Williams, Taya Matthews, Dag Swagmawe, Beast Nest, Salami Rose, Joe Lewis, Drum Wisdom, Chef Lee, and me, Nube Brown, reading Robert Jones' poetry. Okay, I am also going to give you a, uh, a little snippet of some of the music, and excuse me, I did say uh, Bay Area artists nationwide, and nationwide, that was incorrect. It's just Bay Area artists, okay. And here we go, we're gonna get a little snippet from, let's start with the Curtis Family C Notes.
finally, let's check out Salami Rose Joe Lewis, Water Flows. So mind you, that is just a taste of what is on this Freedom Songs 2021 mixtape that was put together uh, for a, as a fundraiser for the San Francisco Bayview National Black Newspaper. So there are 21 tracks on this mixtape. You can buy the whole digital album for $25 or you can buy uh, tracks as well. You can buy it tracks, and I believe tracks are 99 cents. So uh, I encourage you all to go to the um, the SF Bayview website at sfbayview.com, and you can. But the link to the actual mixtape is sfbayview.bandcamp.com. All right, so I really, I I really want to. Uh, you know, highlight this other pathway into the work that we are doing. We need beauty to be in this struggle continually and to see the, just the beautiful creative efforts of our, of our community members to infuse that necessary uh, juiciness that we need and color that we need to really kind of reju- continue to rejuvenate our mind, body, and spirit through the arts is so essential. And you got a little taste of Minister King and the work that he's doing. So again, go to prisons.org um, and see the work that they are doing there. Uh, go to Cage Universal's YouTube page and, and check out Minister King's uh, work there. And again, please check out this Uh, Freedom Songs 2021 mixtape for the SF Bayview to participate in this fundraiser for this mixtape and to and to um, and to support the artists okay because again we 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 need we need the arts we need this music Uh, you go to sfbayview.bandcamp.com that's sfbayview.bandcamp, all one word, B like boy, A-N like Nancy, D like dog, C-A-M like Mary, P like Paul, bandcamp.com. 
All right, there you can buy the whole album for $25. That's the Freedom Songs 2021 mixtape. Or you can buy the songs individually at $1.99. Thank you for this beautiful infusion of creativity and song uh, to keep us going through this struggle. Thank you also for joining me this morning. I love you. We'll get back to it next week. Be well until then. Get ready for Steve Seltzer and Work Week. <laughs>